You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to this week's episode of Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Herd is hosted by me, Joe Hakeem, and I'm joined by Nick Britsky of Nick Drinks, Jason Leinert of the Detroit Optimist Society, and Vato of the Hungry Dudes. We are joined each episode by workers, leaders, and analysts of the hospitality industry. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like or dislike what you hear, write a review. We love hearing from our listeners. You can visit Herd at HerdPodcast.com, follow Herd on Twitter and Instagram at HerdPodcast, and like Herd Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and now here's this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Vato, how are you? I am well. What's going on? Oh, not a lot. James Beard Award nominees yeah. were announced. We got a couple nods. We, we did. Um, Chicago really <laughs> on top <laughs> again. So uh, real quick, we're joined by Chef Allie Little. Um, and Allie hey. will have some thoughts on the James Beard nominations, I think, as well. So let's talk about the two that we did get through to the finals at Zingerman's Roadhouse Zingerman. for service, which yeah. is not surprising at no, all. No, I mean, it, it's surprising, though, that they haven't been nominated like every year and got through every year because... For service? Yeah, because yeah. they wrote the book on service. Literally. Literally yeah. wrote, wrote the book on service. Multiple books on service, yep. yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken... And Ari teaches, or his team teaches classes yep. on service. And I think they have... Did Alex Young, their chef, old? He did. did. did he I used win? to work for him. Yeah. He, did he win one? He did. He won. Okay. After I think he was nominated five times before he won. Okay. It was like a lot of years. I do think the award is uh, hanging in the in the vestibule. It is. Yeah. I mean, I think it was when I was there. Yeah. So okay, so they they got nominated for service. Sister Pie, uh, Lisa got nominated. Lisa Ludwinski got nominated for best baker. Yeah. Um, and that's a regional category as well, or is that a national? No, category? I think that's a national category. Okay. And that's that's awesome. Yeah. And then the regional category was swept by Chicago. Swept again. Didn't again. they sweep it last year? Yes. And this brings up the the topic of splitting. Why am I living in Detroit or Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> well, s- splitting splitting Chicago out of the Midwest region. So just best Taking, chef Chicago. Well, so New York, the five boroughs have their own. Yeah. Okay. And I think uh, I think they're the only. City. I think you're right. That's broken out yeah. even more specifically. Um, so the the idea is that Chicago somehow uh, deserves its own category. I don't agree with that necessarily. I think that eventually places need to catch up. Cleveland, Detroit. Um, who else? Maybe, maybe we have caught up, and maybe we're just not getting knowledge for it. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm know, not saying we haven't. Uh, yeah, and right? I, yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. All this is subjective. Right, and I have no idea how the nomination process goes. Very secret. Yeah, and it's on purpose, right? Yeah. Um, it's one person who goes to every restaurant. <laughs> I was like, I didn't like this one. <laughs> I prefer the Chicago one. Very possible. Right. You know, the, I mean, they make it very cryptic. You know, it's cryptic. I mean, let me just tell you about Detroit. Detroit gets no love, right? So I'm watching Man's Greatest Food. You ever watch that show? No. 
it's on the Food Network or something like that, right? It's a pretty cool show where it talks about like here's uh, the episode I, I'm going to talk about. It was like pizza. Okay. It's like we're all around the country looking at pizza. Here's the best 10 places to get pizza in the country. So you think that somewhere in Detroit would like come up for Detroit style pizza. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But it did not. Uh, Giordano's did, I think, come up as number one for pizza for Chicago. Okay. But it came up like as overall number one. Overall so, number one in the country? Yeah. No. Giordano's? Yeah. No. So no. <laughs> what came up is, which was I thought was interesting, uh, and I'm I'm kind of excited to go try it even though I, I can get it at home, but uh, I think like number five was a place in Austin, and it was called 313. Pizza or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a yep. pizza place that serves Detroit-style pizza yep. in Austin. Yep. yep. And I was like, okay, so Detroit must be coming up. And then Detroit never got anything. So it's like you gave homage to Detroit-style pizza, but you didn't give anything to Detroit. And it's like, well, I mean, come on. Like, there's a bone. You gave like a uh, deep dish over here, Chicago over here, blah, blah, blah. And like Detroit and Austin, which are these Detroit – Folks who went to Austin had this like food truck pizza experience, but you know, pop ups all over the place or whatever. Good for them. Yeah, great. But where's the love for Detroit? Where's Buddies? Where's anything? Louis. Yeah. Yeah, right. Perry's or any of that. Um, Any Detroit style. I had a Detroit style pizza. There's a place in Denver called Blue Pan, named after the pans that are used to bake the pizza in. Mm. The gentleman uh behind the counter was a used to live in sterling heights and worked for buddies and i think he might have worked for louis as well he was very say arrogant was the right word about this pizza and how it was going to be the best it was going to ruin me for detroit style pizza for the rest of my life are you ruined it it was fine it was Inc- that is never the word you want used <laughs> about your food ever no it was fine. no no it's worse it's no, i got i got one worse what do you think of that it's not for me. No, oh, okay, all right, all right. That's, the, that's worse. That one's than, pretty bad too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was it was like an attempt at Detroit style pizza. That's what it was. It was an attempt. It wasn't Buddies. It wasn't Louis. It wasn't even Shields. And I don't. I, I'm not a huge fan of Shields, admittedly. I don't mind Shields, but, but it was like super fluffy, like strangely fluffy. Not dense. Like the, there's a density to, mm-hmm. to you know to Buddies and Louis. Yeah. Um, and it was like super light, and so I guess that's a appe- yeah. I guess yeah. that's appealing to some people. But if you're gonna come out and say to me like this is the best Detroit style pizza you had, you better bring it. Right. And it was not brought. Yeah, it was not. So I, I just think that you know the props aren't there for the Motor City as they should be. And granted, uh, you know I'm sure all those restaurants in Chicago are amazing, but. I mean, the restaurants that they gave accolades to and the chefs they gave accolades to in Detroit are, you know, they're exceptional. Yeah. And to not get in the next stage is like, I'm sad for the restaurateurs and the chefs and the restaurant and the staff because they worked their ass off. But um, I'm also sad that the rest of the country doesn't get to see that next stage kind of thing. So I'm glad for that they can say, okay, well, Let's go back and say, oh, Zingerman's, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they'll start 
focusing a little bit more. Do, do we need a James Beard Award to legitimize what's happening in Detroit? No, nah, no, because the great thing about Detroit is that we're so blue collar, we don't give a shit. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But on the same token, uh, I would also say that we don't need Yelp reviews. But Yelp reviews go a long way when you're an out of towner that's coming in, flying into Metro, staying down at the Westin, and you don't know where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. And so you look on Yelp, and you know, like I want to get some wings, or I want to do this and that, and you know, place like Sweetwater Tavern pops up, good wings, whatever. Yep. But great, great wings, great wings. Yeah, not Mister Spots and Arbor. <laughs> Shout out to them. Love you, Mr. Spots. We don't get sponsored by them, but they could sponsor us. Great waffle fries and cheese. Anyways, um, but a James Beard can go a little bit, a little bit more in a distance of what we need for our destination people, right? The people that are coming in who don't know anything about Detroit, the homegrown people. Yeah, we don't give a shit. Like we'll we'll go to all the places we want to go to. We'll. And we and I know we frequent them well because the lines are long and you know you I'm trying to get I haven't even tried San Morello yet right yep I can't get a friggin' reservation on any night that I want months out and they're in the Shinola Hotel yeah 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 new place new M- most places place. you can't get you can't get res- you can't She Wolf you can't get a reservation you can't get a reservation at Lady of the House uh, it's so many places you can't get reservations yep so we know in Detroit what's good. We know the places we like. We know yep. the places that are up and coming that we want to go to, you know, on our destination night out. Yep. But for the people out of town, what are they going to do, right? If you're if you're going out of town, so I when I go out of town, I research, and I say, all Same. right, like I went to Denver, right? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Research places, got reservations well in advance. But if I'm just like showing up somewhere, a beard would go well, and like getting people to research a little bit more. I, I am of the belief of just going somewhere and doing the research when I'm there. So I don't know where I'm going to be or exactly. And it's like, I'm going to, I'm just going to wing it. I wing it almost 98% of the time when I travel. Mm, interesting. Um, and uh, I don't know why it's just my, I don't like planning. It's just not exciting to me. Mm. So um, I'll look at, I'll look at uh, Google or um, Eater is a great Eater. Eater's a great one. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they're Essential Thirty Eight, which Detroit has one now, sure. and um, has had one for a while. Um, it's a good list, um, and yes. so uh, I'll look and say, okay, well, I have a price point in mind. I'm going to look. I'm going to figure out where the hell to go, and then I'm going to go and see if it's. But if you're if, if you're do. solo, it's easy because you can just pony at the bar and exactly. But if you're with a group, and I'm usually traveling with a group, and it's like, oh, well, you have to plan then. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. Yeah, if you're yeah. going by yourself, you can just roll in and be like, table for one? No, I think... Uh, Even table I saw for two. A, I saw a post recently uh, from a local chef uh, in Ann Arbor um, who said that they had like a 60 top walk-in. <laughs> no, no call ahead, just walked in with 60 people. Wow. It's totally easy to accommodate. <laughs> Super easy. Must have been the Fleetwood. No. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, how do you walk in with 60 people? That's crazy. Wow. Also kind of ballsy. That's- yeah. Yeah. Yes. So what happened? What did the post say? He, he, say, he just said, you know, we had to leave. This is bullshit. <laughs> no, I think they stayed. I think they took, took, I mean, you go into a place of 60 people. If they're like, yeah, we'll take you. You're staying. So <laughs> I want to know what this place is. I think it's Rappaport Brewing with Jay, uh, Jason's the chef. Jason Osborne hmm. is the chef. Um, I think he said, I think it was a 60 top. I think that's what he said. I think you're right. Yeah. That's crazy. 
Who's just walking around with 60 people? We'll have him on in the coming months, and, and uh, we'll talk to him about it. But that's, yeah. I, I mean, 60 people walk in is in, insane. Yeah. I, I mean, I've done pop-ups, walk-in pop-ups before, and even having 10 or 12 people walk in at the same time is hard. Mm. It's tough. I mean, 60 is a restaurant in some yeah, places. Like, that's right. an entire restaurant. Yeah. Right. And so, Allie, you're starting uh, this weekend. You're starting a brunch residency at Revolver. Um, hopefully, you don't have sixty people walk in at once. <laughs> well, thankfully, they have to buy tickets right now, so oh. it's so there's some planning that has to go into it. Okay, so that was one of my. That was going to be one of my first questions. Was is this a ticketed event? So it is. Um, and so, is it with the word residency? It's going to be continuous. Is it? Once per month, or is it going to be uh, more often than that? So right now, Peter and I, uh, the owner of Revolver, yep. have scheduled for the 14th and for the 28th. We okay. have his, the menu is written. He he has it. Okay. He has, has to submit it and put it up on the website. So what we're going to do in the beginning here is just do one seating at 11 and just, you know, see how it goes. He's never done brunch. I've never done brunch in his space. And so we have to figure out kinks and we would rather do it gracefully than try to go like balls to the wall and then, you know, eat shit. Yeah, <laughs> so right, right. Um, we're going to do that. Uh, the thought is that the on the 14th, it'll be one seating. And then we're hoping by the 28th, we'll be up to two. So this kind of is a segue from your uh, last position at Parks and Rec. Yes. yes. Okay. So you, uh, Parks and Rec, for those that don't know, is in the GAR building in Detroit. Um, that's the... Uh, G-A-R... Yeah, the Grand Grand Castle. Army of the Republic right. Correct. Yes, uh, building, which was uh, renovated, and it's now home to Republic and to Parks and Rec. Yeah, uh, Parks and Rec is a breakfast lunch spot or more breakfast? I would say more breakfast. Every time we tried to do lunch, it was not successful. Like okay. for a while, we had like a lunch box menu, and then we just put lunchy things, and that is when it kind of was the most successful when we just had lunch style things on lunchy the menu. Lunchy things? What's a lunchy thing? <laughs> um, So like we did poutine. So it was like kind of like in between a breakfast. I mean, most people would eat poutine as an appetizer, but um, so we that was kind of an in-between thing. We always tried to do a salad. It was hit or miss if it was, you know, kind of the day of the week, whatever. Uh, what else was lunchy? It's been a minute. I've been gone almost a year. Um, lunchy. That sounds fun. Lunchy <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah. Like sandwiches, but that still like had an egg on them. You know, uh, to try and like differentiate. Well, that but. makes it brunchy. Yeah, brunchy. I know, right? It's probably <laughs> brunchy things. Yeah, I feel like we're in an episode of Portlandia. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. Uh, Put an egg guy in it. So, the the position at Parks and Rec was that uh, were you hired on as the chef there, or did you segue from Republic over to Parks and Rec? So I was hired solely, I was originally Parks and Rec's sous chef okay. under Sarah Welch. Okay. And then I'm very grateful to her because she kind of was like, hey, I'm really busy at Republic. You and I will sit down once a week. We'll talk about things. If you need help, ask me. But otherwise, you know, do what you want to do. And so it was really fun in that regard because I kind of got to, I'm not great at listening to other people. So running my own ship is my preferred way to do things. Okay. And so um, it was really good for that. But then when she got ousted, they kind of came to the sous chefs of the sous chef of Republic and the sous chef of Parks and Rec me and asked us if we wanted to take over the restaurants kind of independently, which was the first time an executive chef hadn't been overseeing both restaurants. So and then, yeah, my entire time there for a while, we talked about me transitioning to do some stuff in Republic 
uh, like to help out when the chefs needed time off or whatever. But that was something Sarah and I had planned and we're going to work towards. And then when she, you know, left, uh, it kind of fell by the wayside. So can you talk about how your roles shifted when so you go from uh, working under Sarah Mm -hmm. to kind of taking the place over yourself and then Sarah leaves. So between those three different uh, positions, how did they, how did your work role change? I would say probably the biggest change was when Sarah actually left Uh because there were so many things that were kind of like unspokenly done by her. And then it was like, oh, we all need to pick up slack that we didn't know was there. And so I think that was probably the biggest. And also, um, how do you say it politely? Um, we had issues like so we would order when we did our ordering, there were certain things that were for the restaurant and then there were individual things like f- like for the restaurant group, I should say. And then there were individual things for like Parks and Rec or for Republic because we didn't use the same protein. Like I bought French fries. They didn't need French fries, that kind of stuff. And so like ordering got very weird for a while there. And then I ended up taking over all the ordering and then – Matt and I ended up splitting up scheduling. So it was a lot more, I would say, like administrative stuff that needed to get sorted out when Sarah left. And it was very much, it was real sudden for both of us. It was kind of like, I was actually in New York when everything happened with Sarah. And I was like, oh, what shitstorm am I going home to? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Sounds like everyone was away. What? Was away. Was away. Yeah, when everything happened. Right? Uh, I think it was. I think it was strategic. Ah. If we're being honest, so. hmm. that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, now, now that I'm in the great company of the ousted women of the GAR, um, it's uh, yeah, it's not surprising, unfortunately. So then, how have things shifted from having that position? Uh, you know, and it's look at it in its best light, right? Mm-hmm. To to where you are now. So I think if anything, it probably taught me a lot of ways that I don't want to run a business. And I mean that politely. There are just things that I was like, oh, this is not like while they were happening and tried to voice an opinion and be like, I don't know that this is the best way we should do this. I don't know if this is the best choice. And it was like, oh, it's fine. Like, we know what we're talking about. And it was like, okay, all right, if you're going to, like, it's ultimately your business, so it's your call. And so I think, if anything, it was kind of how not to do things. And then also, um, I have opened or ran probably, like, six or seven restaurants at this point, and it's just gotten me to a place where I was like, I just want to do this for myself now. Because, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, whether we all want to see it or not, you're disposable, right? Unless you run your own show, you're disposable. Uh And so I think if anything, it kind of empowered me to be like, I don't want to run other people's shows anymore. So So why did you choose Revolver? Um, It's a really interesting... I've always appreciated Revolver Uh and the space and um, what they do there and like how Peter has tried, you know, he really for years was the only pop-up game in town. Uh And so now, you know, I think he's at a place where he wants to differentiate again, you know, revolve or evolve again. And it kind of just collided at the right time. And so, I mean, I hope we get to a place where we're going to do like some kind of ticketed portion. And then there's like a walk-in portion is what I would like to get to. Because I think there's a generation that appreciates a ticketed event. And then I think there's a generation that likes to roll up wherever for brunch. And so trying to meet in the middle of those two. Second, that's like you, Joe, right? You just want to roll up. Yes. Yeah. But, but 
but it's funny because if I if I'm cooking at an event like we, we cooked at Shram's Mead last weekend, um, I want it to be ticketed mm-hmm. um, because it helps with planning so much. Oh yeah, and waste. Yeah, and just yeah, the it, control. Yeah, and you know, I just said I don't like planning, but I do like planning for events. I I like right. making money, and so um, f- like over planning and, and then falling on your face with you know waste is, is cuts into your profit. Big time. Huge. So do you think that either you think that restaurants should be reservation only? I mean, I think that there is something really reassuring about being re- like being reservation only. Like it would really help with like cost and labor and being able to control all those things. But then I also think you're taking away from an experience. Like I know – like in my when I go to, when I travel, I'm one of the weirdos. I make a spreadsheet of the places I want to go. So no, I'm it's that, not weird. I'm that person. It's not weird. I do that too yeah, in a way. Like I research and I make sure because like yes. I went to Portland and there was so many places I yeah. didn't want to miss in Portland. And so I'm that person. Not gonna lie, but <laughs> in my day to day life where I live, my friends and I like we don't decide where we want to go ahead of time. My husband and I almost always go out to eat on Sundays. We rarely is it decided upon ahead of time where we're going to go. It's usually that morning. And so it's I think it's a catch 22. I think there's a lot of benefits to being reservation only. But then I think there's missed opportunity as well. Yeah, there's places I mean, to, to bring up Chicago again, like Alinea or something like right. that, like well, would not even exist if it wasn't. Re- I, I don't think it would exist other than being reservation only. But, the, but if you had I mean, if you knew the place was reservation only and you went there. I mean, you wouldn't go there, right? Like, if you want, if you knew it was reservation only, not not a place like that that's like five hundred dollars a plate, but just like an average place. And you're like, look at you Gar- look at Garrett's place, Lapar. Yeah, but the, how many people seat? It only seats eight, right? So I'm talking about like a regular re- restaurant, like a regular restaurant that uh, one time I I went to a restaurant. I'm not going to talk about because I didn't really enjoy it that much, and I waited. Mm-hmm. I waited like an hour and a half to get in. That is the worst when and, you wait and it's terrible. And I thought it was going to be great. I thought it was going to be great. It was a steakhouse. I thought it was going to be great. I've heard a lot about it from like casual people. The wait was long, so that was positive to me in a way because I'm like, every time I've driven past this place, it's always been packed. Yeah. And well, you, it's almost like advertisement, right? If you yeah. have a full parking lot. so And you wait a half an hour and you get in there and it's like a two-hour experience and it was like... I was so disappointed. I will never, ever, ever go back. And anyone who asks me about it, I will tell them never to go there. Yep. But it, I don't know. If it was a reservation, like I wouldn't have gone there. I, I did try to get a reservation, but they wouldn't let me get a reservation for party under six. But it, that's that's an odd stance to take, in, in my opinion, as well. Yeah. Like the, 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 the under six or six, only reservations for six are over. It just means that someone's afraid to get burned. But at least if it was a bad place, I wouldn't have wasted an hour and a half of my right. time, right? If right. it was a place I was like, okay, reservation only, I'd have booked it a month in advance, whatever. Yep. Because yep. I was planning for the night. Mm-hmm. Booked it a month in advance, been like, okay, here I am. And then I had a bad meal, no big deal. But I had didn't have to wait an hour and a half in the lobby, like not even the lobby, the vestibule. I had to go to the bar, get a drink, come back to the vestibule with the drink. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I think there's, there's a value to just going out like, Oh, we're going to hit or miss, especially if you're just talking about two people because you can, like I said, pony up at the bar. But if you're, I don't know, if you're with a group of four for 
instance. It's so hard to get a reservation sometimes before. I mean, yeah. I had a reservation. I'll tell the story. Joe knows it, of course. I was. I had a reservation for She-Wolf for four. Mm-hmm. I get to She-Wolf. The other party that I was coming with bailed on me. Oh. So I'm like, okay, can you change my reservation to two? Sure, of course, you know, because, you know, you had a reservation for four. And who do I see behind me? Fucking Joe walks in. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, you, you want to sit with us? Yeah, sure. And it actually took him a minute to get the reservation back, back. to four yep. Yep. because they already filled it. Yep. That's how quick. quick that went. Yeah, but I believe that. if it was a reservation only, I mean, I wouldn't have seen you that night because you would have known. Right. But they also would have controlled their, they would have known exactly, like, okay, we're going to have X amount of people for sure. We're probably going to turn the tables this amount of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of leaving some of it open, I, I know some people have open table, or I don't know if they do it with talk or not, but they they leave some tables open for um, end reserve, right? Or mm-hmm. resi now. Uh, they leave some tables open for walking, some tables open, or some tables are closed simply for the app. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do? Like, you, you balance it a little bit. I think talk works well because you're at least getting money, and you do that with open table too, where is, you have to put is down. Is talk the Alinea app? Is that the, yeah. the, the one they developed? Okay. Yeah, but you also have to put money sometimes down with open table. You have to. Yeah, have depending to, on where it is. So the question becomes like, so your your brunch is going to be ticketed, right? Mm-hmm. So you know exactly, people know ahead of time what they're getting. Yes. Right? If you're running a restor- a reservation-only restaurant, like you, you have to do a set menu too. You, you can't just roll the dice and think, well, I'm going to have a, a, a menu of 15 items and hope that people order. Like... Or you, or you have them order ahead, or you get comfortable with the fact that you're eight six and things halfway through the night, and you're like, okay, well, I'm sorry, we're out of this, and you know, you you have a sp- that's a tough, that's a tough, yeah, but path. you can't have a, like a gigantic menu, right? Not at all. I mean, I've been to places that you have a book and you open up like, holy shit, how do you have That's all? how you know instantaneously that your meal will be disappointing. Right. When you get the book menu, it's like, shit. Like, oh, I should have made a different choice. Like because... a Cheesecake Factory menu? Uh. <laughs> Even I went to, so I eat a lot of brunch, right? Because uh-huh. that's what I do. So I eat a lot of it out. And my husband and I went to a like, it's it's got to be a local chain. I haven't done research about it, but there's like six or seven of them in Michigan, like in Southeast Michigan. So many people had recommended it to us. Like so many people. Oh, wait, are you gonna, you're not going to dig on First Watch, are you? No. All right. No. No, <laughs> I haven't been watch, there. Well, first no, watch. First Watch. Yeah, 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 there's one in oh Troy. God, I love it. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I'll talk about it in a minute. Okay, deal. <laughs> um, no, it was a different place, but that everyone has loved. My husband and I, so we have a daughter, like she's two months old, and we take her to brunch because, you know, she can sit in a car seat that long and behaves and whatever. And so we – but we decide where we're going to go based on how long the wait time is, right? Because like if the wait time's 45 minutes, I know we're not making it through a meal without her losing her mind. <laughs> like, right? And I try to be respectful of other people that are dining out that don't want to hear a screaming kid. Mm-hmm. And so they told us 20 minutes, and my husband was like, all right, that should be fine, whatever. Well, after half an hour, we went in and they were like, oh, well, the host shouldn't have told you 20 minutes. It's going to be like 30, 40 minutes. And we were like, great, great. Like, one, we wouldn't have chosen to stay here. And then two, now if we go anywhere else, like, she's for sure going to lose her mind, right? Right. And so we sit down and they gave us the book menu. And I was like, shit, (laughs) shit. (laughs) Like, now even after waiting all this time. Like nothing, gonna, this is nothing good is going to happen. Yep. Here. Yeah. and it was not. It was pretty bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. First, first watch is really, really good. Uh, I've only been to two of them. Uh, 
Well, I've only been to one. I know there's two that I'm familiar with. One's okay. in Troy, one's yep. at uh, Somerset. Uh, I've been to that one. I was there at the day they opened. They were awesome. They had a soft, I walked in on a soft opening and they're like, oh, there's no charge, but if you'd like to donate to Alzheimer's, you can donate over here. So I donated my tire bill to Alzheimer's. Nice. Um, they have a no weight. They use no weight. Okay. And so for those that aren't familiar with that, you get onto the app and you click on get myself in line. And if the wait is 45 minutes, you just click 45 minutes ahead of time and you show up and you're like, hey, I'm here. Here's my name. And pretty much you get nice. sat right away. Uh, everything there is tasty. The surface is great. Everyone's really nice. They're very, I have a four-year-old, mm-hmm. so they're very, very, uh, he's got allergies, very allergy friendly. Cool. Uh, very attentive to that. Everyone's really attentive to the coffee's great. I mean, it was just a yeah. great, hey. and I'm not a chain guy and I swear by this place. We go there almost every Sunday now. That's great. Yeah. That is, especially to go back every Sunday. Okay. So we're saying fuck the book menu, right? Oh. Yeah. Fuck the okay. book menu. So, I, I need to know. So the, this menu that you're coming out out of the gates with at Revolver, what is it? What's on it? Okay, par- partially, and then you have to divulge the whole menu if it's secret. And it's not okay. That and would then, be cool. Maybe we should start that. How <laughs> secret? How did you choose the items that are on it? Okay, uh, so the first round um, is southern ish inspired so i really believe that the only food native to america is southern food everything else is stuff we've like taken and manipulated or like bastardized from other countries and so southern food i think has like the biggest roots and it's what i like to eat and so more often than not what i cook is what i want to eat and so um what we're doing is the first course is kind of an individual plated situation where you'll come in so i'm going to do a hummingbird cake cinnamon roll so hummingbird cake super popular in the south it's pecans bananas and pineapple Mm -hmm. so almost like a carrot cake but not coconut I don't think coconut. Okay. Not in any of the rest. I mean, because I've been reading about it. Yeah. And so I, it seems like some yes, some no. Okay. So um, I think I'm going to abstain because I think coconut can be polarizing. Yes. More so than bananas or pineapple. Right. And then um, the second course is family style. So it'll be, you know, platters of food. So I'm going to do brown butter, bacon, donut holes with like red eye gravy and greens. So like collards that have been cooked down. What's red eye gravy? So red eye gravy is... Um, Traditionally, it's drippings of, you know, whatever. I'm using bacon drippings uh-huh. and coffee. And there's a couple other things in there. But the main thing is coffee and drippings. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's delicious. <laughs> I think everybody should eat more of it. But it's definitely a southern thing. It's not something many people do up here. Uh, we're doing pinto beans. I'm doing pimento cheese, scrambled eggs, uh, brown sugar bacon. So just all kind of you know, Southern inspired. And then the next one I'm doing has more of like, I'm Italian. That's uh, primarily the, mm-hmm. my genetics. And so um, it's more of an Italian inspired menu. But what we're doing, what I think works best and what Peter and I have kind of kicked around is the first being on the table when people show up. So that way the people that are really early have something to do. So they're not just like looking around. And then the people that kind of come at the end have like, can eat something really quick before everything hits the table or they can save it kind of a thing. And so um, for the second course, it seems like five to six items we both feel comfortable with is like an appropriate amount of family-style food. So when making the menus, I try to think like, all right, if I was at my grandmother's house, because that's primarily who cooked in my family, how did she, like, when she set up, because we always did, like, a buffet in a kitchen. It was never, no one ever had a big enough table to, like, pass stuff. 
And it was like, how did she build a menu? Like, if I was going, I would want eggs. And I'd probably want, you know, some kind of meat, whatever. And then a fun wild card dish, which I think the donut holes is going to be weird, people. I don't think people know what that is. And I think most people, probably most people that are coming to this event, I don't know how many have had, like, traditional collard greens. So that'll be interesting, too. So What's a traditional collard green? Um, So, like... I think in this, I mean, they all have pork in them, right? right? <laughs> in the yeah. South. Um, for me, I like like a good hunk of belly. That's what I think is the best uh-huh. in it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, cooked down for a really long time. They're supposed to be wet. They're supposed to be kind of soggy. Yep. Um, yep. But like that's when they're the best. And so, yeah, that's what I, for me, that's what it is. There's a good amount of vinegar. I don't like sweet greens. I don't understand why people put, I recently had barbecue somewhere and there was definitely some kind of sugar in the greens. And then there were red peppers. And I was like, what is this? Like, oh, that, it was it was gross. <laughs> it was gross. That's way off of anything I've ever had. Right? Yeah. It was like – and I think it was one of those things where they were trying to differentiate themselves. Like, okay. look at this cool, weird take on collard greens. But it was not successful in my opinion. So Not cool, but weird. Yeah. There you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So you're having collard greens on Italian night too? Italian oh day? no, Italian night. Um, Italian day. I'm sorry. Ital- whatever. Yeah. It does sound yeah. cool to say Italian night. Yeah, <laughs> flair. We can pretend. <laughs> whatever. It's brunchy. Yeah. Um, brunchy. So <laughs> uh, we're gonna do. So peas are in season. So I'm gonna mm. do sweet peas and pancetta. Um, I'm gonna do some. So at Parks and Rec, we always used to have a toast board on the menu. So almost like a charcuterie, but like. You know, a little bit more, a little less heavy, I guess. Not so many meats, more cheese and jams and stuff. So I'm going to do some kind of burrata board because I personally, that's the cheese I want to eat all mm-hmm, the time mm-hmm. is burrata. So burrata with, I probably am going to do, I really want ramps to be ready. I'm hoping. I mean, Fortune Fish has them right now, but they're astronomical. A pound. Like, I got the quote, the price today, and I was like, oh, I'm not paying that. I'm not paying that. <laughs> oh, and I have to buy five pounds minimum. Definitely not doing that. So um, I'm hoping, actually, Jason, I think, is foraging, and so I'm hoping to get some from him. But So I haven't really finished the idea of that until I know what I can get at the end of next week. So That's this, fun, though. Yeah, I mean, like it the, seems exciting. Yeah, the plan as you go. I, I yeah. like that. And they have a full bar. Yes. Revolver has a full bar. Oh, well, and um, the joys of Hamtramck is that it's all BYOB, which, like, some people choose to publicize and others don't. So I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Hamtramck. It's like a city ordinance. Oh. Like, in Hamtramck, that it's BYOB. What? It's not a city ordinance? Well, maybe. It is. Yeah, it is. It's it's like a city thing that's okay, but it's not a state thing. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. do not condone that. No, no we do not condone that. <laughs> allegedly, right? Say yeah. allegedly. Not the. Uh, yeah. So something else you're working on. You're you're starting food tours with yes. Detroit history tours. Um, you're doing so. You have two lined up. Two lined up. Yes. Okay. There are two types. Of so tour. you have one called reserve seating and one called order up. Yes. So let's talk about reserve seating because that's the one that comes up first, right? Yes. Okay. May 28th. May 28th. So what is the reserve seating food tour? So reserve seating, we're doing it on Tuesdays because anyone who's ever worked in the restaurant industry knows we tend to be slow on Monday and Tuesday nights. And so the hope is that we're going to take people behind the scenes and up and coming Detroit restaurants or ones that are already, you know, well known and um, give 
the guests of the tour like a different experience than they would get if they just went in there and ate. So a little behind the scenes action mixed with history and kind of like a very individualized experience for them, you know, celebrating like the up and comers who maybe aren't getting recognized um, or that, you know, we fight to get to the top. And so to kind of celebrate that. And it is so right now I'm, you know, chefs were really bad at answering email. And I can attest to that because I also am a chef that's bad at answering email. So I'm waiting on uh, three to confirm. I can tell you for sure the dessert course um, is going to be at the Detroit Club. So it'll be a really cool kind of behind the scenes because I didn't realize this is how much I knew before we started this, that the Detroit Club is members only, but they open their restaurant to the public on Thursday, Friday and Saturday which I didn't know that. And so with this tour, we're going to be able to go up on the levels that are like, because right now the only thing that's open to the public at the Detroit Club is the restaurant. Where is the Detroit Club? It is. So it's downtown. Now you're going to, it's close to where Prime and Proper is. It's like in that same general area. It is a very, yeah, it's a very beautiful, crazy old building that um, has been around since like the 1800s and it kind of like bottomed out for a little bit and now it's been coming. It's, doing very well uh kirk mckinney is the chef there okay which is interesting and so he um has like they've invited us in to do this and we're gonna the people that come on the tour are going to be able to see floors of the detroit club that you wouldn't get to see unless you were a member so that's a pretty cool added bonus take it you're not a member joe of the Detroit Club? Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Just, I don't know where it is. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> or he was playing it real cool. He was. He was like, where is this at? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, Illum- Illuminati. Am, am I to understand that there's going to be four yes. places? Okay. So, the tour is going to include four different places. Is yes. it the same thing for the Order Up tour? So, Order Up is on Saturday evenings because it's much more of a – it's like – honestly, it's the places where I would go eat if we're being really frank. It's the cash-only, like, real Detroit establishments, you know, Marcus Burger, uh, Victor's Coney Island, Dutch Girl Donuts, like, places where – you know, maybe some people would be a little frightened to go if they weren't familiar with the area. You know, uh-huh. the girls at Dutch Girl stand behind a real big piece of bulletproof glass. That's and true. so I've seen people get very nervous when you're like pulling up to there. So yep. to try and give people an experience that's much more like it's authentic Detroit kind of food and the celebration of that. And it's also, you know, taking place people places where they probably wouldn't go because they haven't heard of. So. Mm-hmm. And how, how are people going to travel? Is it on a bus together? Yes. Okay. Yes. A luxury motor coach. <laughs> luxury. <laughs> they are very nice. I have actually taken a tour with the company. Um, I did the Wild Women of Detroit tour, and it was very Wild cool. Wild Women of Detroit. Yeah. Sounds like a wrestling thing that Joe would watch. Yes. It does. True. <laughs> it does. But it was very, it's a very cool experience. And so it'll be me and a historian. So I will answer. Pardon me. I will answer all the like chef questions and tell people about the restaurants where we're going. And then there's a historian that'll speak to the building and the revitalization of Detroit. And so it's a cool marriage of two things. How did you get connected with this? Um, to be very honest, I went on a tour. Like the wild women. The one on the wild women of Detroit tour. Um, like two years ago now, I think. Uh-huh. It was a little while ago. And Right after I had my daughter, Bailey messaged me on Facebook and was like, hey, this is probably crazy. 
you're really busy, but I'm wondering if maybe you want to do this with me. And, and Bailey's so, the owner of the Bailey company. is the owner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bailey Sisway is grow is the owner of Detroit history tours. And so she has been wanting to start a food tour, I think for a really long time and now has the opportunity to. And so I'm thankful that she thought of me to do it. So I, I'm always interested in the progression of people's lives. And so you've gone from being a chef. You've said you opened multiple restaurants. I have. Um, now you're, Taking on a residency at a place seemingly by yourself, right? Yes. Um, and 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 you're going to be doing food tours. Did you ever imagine that you would be doing either of those things? So hilariously, a long time, many moons ago, I worked at Singerman's Roadhouse uh, as a line cook, and it was definitely like I kind of the executive chef that hired me. I was a host at Singerman's Roadhouse. And then I have a cupcake tattoo on my arm. And he was like, why Why do you have a cupcake tattoo? And I was like, oh, well, I'm actually a trained pastry chef. So, And he was like, and you're working as a hostess? Like, he's British. And I was like, I, I am? And he was like, this is ridiculous. You need to come stage. And I was like, you're fucking crazy. I don't want to work for you. Like, said that to him. And he was like, was oh. It, was it Kieran? It was Kieran. Yep. 100%. 100%. And Kieran was like, no, no, it'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> and so for a while, I did host. I was a grill cook there. And so their grill is all wood fired. And so you have to, like, maintain a wood fire grill and cook an obscene amount of protein. Like, the quantity of protein choices there is ridiculous. And then... um maintain a fire the whole time and so i was like i don't i think maybe i could be a pantry cook i don't really think and kieran basically like bullied me into continuing to be a grill cook <laughs> and so that is actually what i ended up doing there for like two and a half years but we we did brunches and you used to have to get there at like five in the morning to get your mm-hmm. station set up and like brunch at the roadhouse is a shit kicker i mean they like a slow brunch with 650 covers. That was like a slow, like we were bored brunch. <laughs> and like now to think about that, I'm like, Jesus Christ. And so um, I actually, my next job I went on to, I was the executive chef at a restaurant that's no longer in existence. But um, they didn't do brunch. They only did lunch and dinner. And on the weekends, they only did dinner. And I was like, I'm never doing brunch again. <laughs> Never doing Never. brunch again. I, you know, I'm yeah. sick. Of, I don't want to get up early. I don't want to do that. And and now that's what I'm trying to do. So it's funny. It's a funny, um, weird life. But I think that you know where Circle you're supposed to, life. right? And so, so look, Kieran was a guest, uh, yeah, a few a couple months ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he was He's great. a great time. Um, you, you said he bullied you, and that, that doesn't make any sense because he seemed very <laughs> polite. <Yeah. laughs> but, but I mean, the, the culinary world, like that word isn't like, it's not like he like, really bullied you. It's like he pushed you, right? Yes, exactly. Encouraged so you. I happen to note like the, the roadhouse, the, the last figure I saw, this is about $12 million a year. Yeah. I think. When I was there, it was, I think, around nine. That's a million dollars a month. Yeah, that, that, that is incredible business. It's insane. Um, insane. And, and 650, I don't know how large the restaurant is off the top of my head, but 650 covers, that's probably two, two or three turns. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that big. I mean, it's big, but it's not that big. I mean, it's not. It's And, it, you know, it was also depending on if the patio was open or if the patio was closed. But it was, and I the, mean, it's. And the walk up, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you had the walk up. Oh, yeah. There. Oh, my God. Breakfast burritos. I used <laughs> to have to make them for the walk up. And I. They would come back and I would be like, fuck your burritos. I don't fuck you. Like, like I have so many tickets on my rail right now. My head is going to explode. And so, I, I but it made like me a good, it made me a really not, fucking good line Not a cook. single person there has ever been mean to me. No. Seriously. 
They would at, never. Zingerman's? No. At the Roadhouse. No. Oh, no. I mean, not even the deli no. either, but I mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I think we're probably a little bit more savage with one another, right? right. But like, not with guests. Probably when I leave, it was like that. Oh, you got to take it out on someone. Yeah, I can't believe you asked me. No. I no. smoked a lot then. <laughs> I smoked <laughs> a lot of cigarettes. Z- Zingerman's has the, uh, they, they, annoying customers are called silly customers. Silly. Yeah. Like, I just talked to a silly customer. in their customer service uh, <laughs> mantra. And it's like, it makes sense because you don't want to disparage anyone because even the worst customer was a customer. Oh. They, they, they yeah. spent money um, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, right. and, and so, um, you know, it's like, well, you shrug it off and hope that you kind of in the back of your head hope they don't come back maybe. But, um, you know, the, the thing, the, the, the really cool thing about that is like 650 covers uh, for a brunch. Like how, how many, co- what's the, how many tickets are you selling for a revolver? 40. 40. Yeah. So, it's like so, a fraction. And, and, and you're like, and you make your money. And mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, it's you. It's like the spotlight's on you. So yeah. there's the, that pressure. Yeah, but which it's is like weird. Forty to six fifty to. 40. Oh yeah. I, I mean, like, that's I mean, at Parks and Rec, bucket. at Parks and Rec, we are consistently doing between three and four hundred on the weekend. In that really? teeny teeny tent, yeah. Now, granted, we did open up Republic for parties of eight or more. We were those <laughs> dicks, um, but but yeah, we were consistently doing between three and four hundred covers. Th- that was on the so weekend. Park, mm-hmm. Parks and not Rick during the weekend. On the weekend, four, 40 seats, thirty four, thirty four. Yeah, it wow. was a lot of like. That's a lot of turns. Yeah, it was a lot of turns. It was a lot of turns. Wow. The only time, I mean, I don't know now. Like I said, I've been there for like a year, so I don't know what the hell's going on now, but. We used to like the only quiet time on Saturday and Sunday mornings. We opened at eight from eight to nine was usually quiet. And then it was just like we got kicked until we were done at three. So being the the brunch chef for as long as you have, I I did some brunch at local uh, for, I don't know, about five months. Uh, People just don't get the whole, like you said, you start at five. Mm -hmm. You don't stop until, I mean, you don't stop until four. Yeah. Right. And God forbid that you don't have anyone doing prep. Oh so yeah, you oh. got to do all your own. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, what do you say to the the average person out there who's like, you know, watching the Food Network and doesn't get a, doesn't get any idea, doesn't understand any idea about like what goes into all this, and, and they and they go out whether it's to the original House of Pancakes or whether it's yeah. to, I mean, you know, a, a nice nicer plate. No, we're not talking about like. Moons over Miami at Denny's, right? <laughs> but it's short. I mean, Forever, my favorite dish name. I hate Denny's, but that's a great. That's name. a great name. It's right? a great yeah. name. But I mean, that there's just so much. It's so taxing on the body. It's you got to wake up. I mean, it's nonstop. There's no break. Yeah, and like I think that's it is definitely one of the most misunderstood things. And I think for a long time I tried to fight it and was like, I want to be one of these chefs that people think is like you know super. Like, you know, like one of the chefs, right? Right. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, I wanted to, I didn't want to be a joke, right? Like, nobody wants their career to be a joke. And I think for a while, you know, being like the Benedict or like the pancake chef, you know, it's, it's not necessarily as glamorous, but I, I think over the last probably year, I've really realized that the joy for me is like feeding people and feeding people really well and making people breakfast things that they didn't think could be breakfast or to make people things that, you know, they were like, I didn't realize you could use this ingredient in this way. Like I want to do um, two dinners or two brunches from now. I want to do rock and rye, like brisket hash is what I want to do. So like I think about food all the time. Like it, it's it's a constant, like I have a notebook and 
you know, we'll be in the middle of a conversation. And I'll stop to write down like whatever random crazy idea. You know, for a long time at the diner, we did pancakes that were made with cereal milk. Now that's like a really cool, trendy thing. But when we were doing it three years ago, nobody nobody had cereal milk flavored shit. And so like like for me, it's important to like remember why I do it. And I, like if other people don't get it or other people don't respect it or whatever, like. But I mean, it's, I, everyone wants to be respected. Yeah. And I just think that. You know, the, like people that show up, like, oh, it's just eggs. It's, I mean, like, there's like, you have to be consistent in your egg pancakes. Egg cooks, man. Egg cooks are like literally the most, like, that is a skill, and yeah. people don't get it. That is a skill. Poaching, I, you're poaching dozens of eggs at the same time. You're doing yeah. over easy on this one. You're doing over yeah. medium on this one. You're doing mm-hmm. sunny side on this one. You're doing yeah. scramble on this one. You're, uh. I, I will attest to that. The, this brunch we did at Shrams last weekend, I, uh, it's like, oh, we'll do a full Scottish. I'll fry eggs to, you know, fry eggs. And no big deal. Fuck me, no big deal. Yeah, it's Whole, the the the, fir, the first order. The, the first people showed up, and I was like, oh, you know, fire fire breakfast. Like, okay, and was, I think I probably went through eight or ten eggs for that first plate. I, I got my, I caught my, you know, footing right. eventually, but it was incredibly yeah. frustrating. Like, who the hell wants to do this all the time? Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm insane. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely am insane. Well, but it's one of those things. It's like you don't understand how difficult it is, depending on pressure. depending on where you're doing it too. So. We didn't have a griddle uh, that was standalone when I was at local. This mm-hmm. We didn't have a griddle standalone for um, pancakes. Mm. Uh, we eventually talked them into buying us a couple of griddles that were standalones that were electric that we could put off to the side because yep. we were using the same flat top that we're using for everything else. Everything else. And it was like, uh, you know, the inconsistencies. Oh, yeah. We that people don't understand. Yeah. And it, the kitchen, like at Parks and Rec specifically, like it was built for Republic. It was not built for Parks and Rec. Like, and so you're working our flat top, I think was 12 inches. Like it was, wow. yeah. And so to like constantly still be making breakfast things and be making things people were expecting, it was like, how can I make French toast that I don't have to put on a flat top? Like every time I wrote a menu, like we deep fried French toast, we did a lot of baked French toast because then the cold cook could do it. The cold cook could stick it in an oven and it would alleviate the line because on the weekends, again, I don't know what they do now, but there were three of us and me. There were three cooks and me. And so, you know, there was somebody on eggs, there was somebody on griddle, there was a cold cook, and there was me on expo. And so it's, it is a lot. I don't think people realize, like, it may not have as much finesse, like there aren't a lot of tweezers in brunch, um, but (laughs) there are, it's like, it's like a delicate balance. It really is of trying to figure out how to not overload one person or how to spread things out. We had electric griddles. There's a butcher block in Republic and we had three electric griddles. And if you have something up. You know, your poached eggs are coming back like, oh, these are overcooked. Yeah. You know? And then you're and then you're three more steps behind when you were already right. five. And it's just, you know, I think the joy I have in it is that it is like it's a constant pressure to figure out a way to do it better and a way to do it smarter and a way to do it more like to be a little bit different and to still be unique and still have people want to come back. Like the challenge of it is why I like it, I think. Did did you use molds for pancakes? No. No. Wait, so I I bought silicone molds and I was like, you know, cause I was just, I was free, free pouring everything mm-hmm. and it, finally we got the griddle free pouring everything. And I was like, 
I wanted to be more consistent. Yeah. I wanted everything to come out to look exactly the same because mm-hmm. now we got the temperature right. Yeah. So I bought some silicone molds and then I ended up buying for my own house too. Yeah. Just to have I, these same things so everything looked the same. I will say for me now that it's so it was, it's difficult when you're, you know, somebody else runs your show, right? Like sure. you're just a piece of it. I will say for my own self, I definitely the silicone mold or like having something I've been. It's funny you say that. I've been thinking a lot about pancakes lately and how to do it so they're more consistent and to like get a nice even stack or to like that visual. And so because I don't think people realize that it's not like it's just as difficult to pour a pancake on a griddle in a restaurant as it it is to do it at your own house. Extremely. So like make sure it's grammable too. Exactly. Oh, man. All for the Instagram. All Everything is for the Instagram, (laughs) isn't it? I just actually did a dinner a few weeks ago and like the trade was that I would get like professional photos of my food taken. And it was actually uh, a dinner. I did a dinner, but wow. yeah, I was like, that is a, unf- like, fortunately, unfortunately, that is a worthwhile trade for me. A couple of so, photographers here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So We're, we'll work for food, everybody. Yeah. That's, I'm about that. The we we'll are, the, we are the hungry dudes on the side. <laughs> yeah. You can work for food. Whatever. <laughs> whatever Joe's man. above that shit, okay? Yeah. Whatever, yeah. dude. Um, okay. So you mentioned uh, respect or not being considered a joke and all these types of mm-hmm. things. Um, how has being a female in this male-dominated industry played into any of those feelings? Oh, that's a isn't that the question? We're in the era of the Me Too, right? I mean, it's real thing, right? Like I was in culinary school, and I had a chef tell me that I had to be twice as good as the best male line cook to be considered half as good as the worst one. Wow! Holy and shit. like that's, seriously, like in school, had that said to me. And so, and I mean, he was a great guy. He's, you know, he's super talented. And to have him be like, understand that this is an uphill battle. And I mean, I was, I went to school craft and at the time it was a super competitive, I mean, this was 10, 12 years ago. At the time it was a super competitive program. Like you had to take a class to qualify to enter the. You feel good. That's when I went there too. There you go. Yeah, it was like it was like a big deal, right? They didn't just let everybody in. Now, you know, culinary school, people aren't going as much, whatever. But, um, to have him say that, like, there were women that dropped out of our, like, dropped out of the program that were like, I don't want to, like, I don't need this. Like, I don't need every day of my working life to be a struggle, you know? And so I think, if anything, like, it, it again, I think it fueled me to work harder and to push further. But, like, seriously, it took me longer to become a chef. Like, I was a line cook for probably five or six years before someone gave me a chef job. Not that I wasn't like skilled enough to do it, but I was always up against a guy who had had a few more chances or like all the, everything in like in the culinary industry, I really believe it's all chances, right? Like it's people take chances on you. Chefs take chances on cooks and then that's how people move along. And I mean, obviously skill and talent and all that plays into it as well, but it's, it's a risky game. Like somebody has to wager on you. And so, you know, it's hard because I think especially older chefs for the most part think that, I mean, I had, at the Roadhouse, I had a male sous chef tell me he doesn't work there anymore, but um, he said to me, "I will never, you'll never be as good because you're not a man." Wow! Like, period, point blank. Like, you will never be able to cook as fast and cook as well because you're not a man. That's and just disappointing. 
that place would hire somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, granted, like I said, he's not there anymore. And I'm sure he also played it real cool in front of the right people that he needed to. But still disappointing. Yeah. But like it is, it's a real thing. And so like for me at Parks and Rec, my staff was 90% female. And it was 90% female. Like the women lived in the city of Detroit, like lived in Detroit proper. Because to me, like a huge part of being in this community and being in this city is employing people that you know, need to pay their bills in this city. And so for me, it was like, I'll give anybody a chance. And I would tell people that like when I had stages, like anybody can have a chance, but like you need to take it seriously and you need to do what you need to do. And, you know, so, but yeah, I've, I've, it is, it's a challenge, but again, I'm the type of person where that has always fueled me to just be like, fuck you. I'm going to do it anyways. And so, yeah, but so I mean, it sounds like you've run into a lot of toxic men in this in this industry. Is yeah. that, is that so, like? Yeah, and there are also really great ones like Kieran. Kieran uh-huh. was phenomenal, but guys like Kieran are few and far between, unfortunately. So when you look ahead, um, say you know the, the revolver thing takes off, um, do, are you going to hire people to help you there, or are you going to like? open a place of your own? What's the Ooh, goal? The question um, <laughs> that I've seen like floating around, which is very funny to me that people are like curious about what I'm doing. I always find that very interesting. It's like <laughs> me, like, what? But it's, I appreciate it, but it's weird. Um, so actually princess, one of my line cooks from Parks and Rec is who has helped me. She helped me. I did a dinner at gather two weeks ago. She was my, like it was me and her and that was they we oversold somehow that event so that was 41 her and I did and then she's going to help me at revolver and it'll be the two of us but the hope is to take revolver as a as a jumping point jumping off point I would like to have my own place doing breakfast and lunch there's a spot in Hamtramck I really want I just need them to sell it to me awesome <laughs> but there's a building I like so so then where can people get tickets for the Revolver event? So Revolver, if you want like the first hand, like the best way to get the tickets is to sign up for the newsletter because Peter sends it out like like as they launch on the website because we actually sold out the first one in like an hour and a half and neither nice. one of us expected that. And so we were like, I had people contacting me that were like, I want tickets. And I'm like, yeah, that's not, a th- unfortunately, not a thing. But so if you're on the newsletter, it seems like that's the way. And you just sign up on their website, revolver.com. And then the tickets are on revolver.com. Great. Yeah. All right. And then the food tours? DetroitHistoryTours.com. DetroitHistoryTours.com. And then uh, where can people find you? Uh, so at Chef Allie Little on Instagram is where I put all my, what I'm doing. And that's Little with a Y, right? Little with a Y. Little so. with a Y. All right. Allie, thanks for being with us. Thank yeah. you. It was yeah. great. Until next time, dine well, friends.